Well, hello everyone. I'm Ran. And I'm Joe. And this is the Blow Artist Podcast. You might notice that we're in a room with uh, a lot of mood lighting. <laughs> so yeah, this is our 100th episode. Welcome everyone. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for the people who shared questions with us in advance. Oh, and I can I can see we're popping up on the, <laughs> I'm watching in multiple windows. All right, just so you know, we're recording this, so there will be an audio version. But thanks everyone for joining us this evening. I hope your evening is going well. It's a cold Sunday evening. The weather suddenly got cold here in Melbourne, but we're doing all right. We're surviving. Yeah, maybe we should lead into this episode with an acknowledgement of country. Mm-hmm. We're coming to you from Wurundjeri land here in Northcote, and we want to honour and acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of this land. We also want to honour the thousands of years of yogic tradition that comes to us from India and we get so much from in our daily lives and we have really enjoyed delving into the different aspects of through this podcast. It really is a lifelong journey and we really honour the source of that wisdom. 100%. Also, <laughs> not nearly as important, but I'd like to acknowledge the Ran Room, which we're <laughs> in this evening. It is called the Ran Room. I'm not sure how it got named. It is my little... <laughs> because it's your little den. <laughs> <laughs> it's my little den. Yeah. The rest of the house is pretty much decorated in my style. It's kind of bright and colourful and there's lots of plants. And this is just like this den of Ranness <laughs> and <laughs> technology. <laughs> and I don't know, martial arts movies posters in the background as well (laughs) (laughs) all right so if you do want to leave a comment or something we'll maybe periodically have a look on our facebook page i don't want to get too distracted and and look at it too much because then we start to look at the numbers and get a little bit depressed (laughs) (laughs) or you can message us on twitch as well right absolutely or you could send us just send us a facebook message if you'd like to get in touch that way if you have anything to say just let us know but um yeah here we are (laughs) so anything interesting happened to you today ron why yes actually (laughs) so i was i was receiving some emails about this this inclusion and diversity event for people working in the tech sector because i am a web developer quite a few hours of the week and uh, I got quite a few of these ema- emails, so finally I decided, yes, I would fill out the form and say that I'm coming along. And I filled out the form, and I was very disappointed that though it had checks for women, LGBTQIA people, African Americans, Native Americans, and Hispanic people or Latinx people, it had nothing for Polynesians or Maori people. Or any other First Nations any people. Other First Nations people. What well, did have Native Americans, but that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Is obviously an American focused event, but I feel like that could have been just helped out with a little checkbox that said other and maybe a text field. <laughs> yeah, if they can go to the episode the effort of like spamming you with emails saying how much they want you at your, their event, you mm. think they could just like have a little look over the categories and mm. make sure that everyone is feeling included? Absolutely. So that that is something for us to look out for in our sort of future anything we might decide to do along those lines and I guess for anyone out there listening that might also be. <laughs> we all have blind spots. Yeah, obviously, you know, we can't include every single ethnicity that, that might take too long, but just a, a, a field that says other and maybe a text field that people can fill it out. So that's, yeah, that's something I thought was interesting. Yeah. Do you want to talk about hashtag land back? Yes. So this is something I, I thought was quite interesting as well. I'm just going to bring up the website so I can have a look at it real quick. Is a give a little, which is kind of like, I guess, kickstarters to help raise funds for charities, that type of thing, based in New Zealand. And there is a fund called Land Back Help Us Buy Back Our Ancestral Land in Wairarapa. And essentially it is a, a hapu, which is, I guess, a small tribal group that wants to buy back their ancestral land that's taken from their ancestors, I guess, in the last hundred or so years. And the asking price is $500,000 after just a few days. They've already reached $100,000, which is still well short of $500,000, but I think it is a great effort, and I really hope that they raise all the funds that they need. I was able to provide a little bit, so 
I know I might put a link to this in the show notes. By the time this episode comes out in audio format, it'll be too late. The, The land is going up for sale by Tuesday, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah, we've got the question a few times, like what can we do to help First Nations peoples? This is a direct thing that you can do. Mm. Help them get their land back. Mm. You can really help. Yeah, and I I guess it is sad that First Nations people literally have to buy back their own land. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing you should have to do a fundraiser for. No, no, not at all. Even if they don't raise all the funds they need, I'm sure that this will go a long way to help their community. So, yeah, I think it's a good cause. So what else we got, Joe? Ooh, what's your favourite episode, Ryan? Ooh, I don't know if I could put it down to any single one episode. They're, they're all like my little babies. A <laughs> hundred of them. You've uh-huh, been prolific. A uh-huh, hundred. Yeah, isn't it amazing that we got to a hundred, huh? Yeah, we're blowing our own minds with I this. Know, <laughs> But no, seriously, I mean, I've, I've actually enjoyed just notice my VIX is yeah. right in the middle of the screen. I'm going to move that <laughs> out of the way. I think the episodes I've enjoyed the most were the ones where it was just me and you, actually. And, uh, and, I, and I know that you don't enjoy them quite as much as <laughs> I do. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I feel more comfortable talking with just you and yeah, because I'm a shy boy now. Oh, well, you know, you're in the safety of your run room I now. know. I could not be any more safe than I am now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say that I prefer anyone else to you because obviously you're my favourite person in the whole world. But referring to the question of what my favourite episode was, mm-hmm. I feel like the one that we did pretty recently with Phil Kayumba was mm. like a really powerful conversation and episode and just an honour to share the story of someone mm. who's lived such an incredible life and, mm. yeah, it was kind of interesting as well because we've decided to make a few changes with the podcast and we'll go into this a little bit later but move a bit away from the yoga world and then we talked to Phil who was just this incredible yoga teacher and really lives these practices in his daily life and I really loved our conversation with Beata as well and she's another yoga teacher doing these just incredible things with this practice that's helped her so much and we were so honoured with the trust that she put in us to share her story. I must say as well, looking back a little bit, our Māori guests have been some of my favourites as well. Mm, yeah, Jason Patu, actually, his his episode was really good and, you know, it was quite emotional as well when he talked about his grandmother passing away and, yeah, no, that was really moving. Yeah, and also Joe Tito, who's mm. one of your cousins, like mm. her sharing of her like, creativity and her connection to nature is, like, mm. amazing. And also uh, Mariko B. Ryan and the mm. she's someone who we wouldn't have had the chance to connect to if we didn't have the podcast because we reached out to her through her book. Mm-hmm. And, like, the story of how she created the book was really amazing. Mm, yeah, no, that, that whole that whole conversation was really good. I should have put some more thought into this question, <laughs> but um, the, those were some of my favourite episodes. Who else was really good? We can come back to this. We yeah, can, it'll probably can. occur to us as soon as we finish the live. <laughs> <laughs> probably, and then we'll feel bad about forgetting someone. Oh, actually, that does bring me to someone who was incredibly important to the development of the podcast and our philosophy of teaching and really living yoga and our studio, who very sadly is no longer with us, Sarah Harry. Mm, yeah, yeah, I remembered as soon as you started talking about that. But, yeah, no, she has been a huge influence on on us and her approach to teaching. I know I'm just repeating what Joe said, but yeah, she she really had an impact and sort of like led us into this whole accessible yoga world, really, didn't she? Yeah, we kind of connected with her at a really pivotal time because we we're just beginning to do the podcast and we we're renovating our studio. So it was a time when we were kind of reassessing things and kind of setting our direction from here and Like Sarah is also someone who just absolutely lived her yoga and touched so many people's lives, really changed the way that people saw themselves, allowed people, opened up space where people learned to love themselves, Mm -hmm. learned to love their bodies and just 
being in the presence of someone like that who really was such a force for transformation and positivity in the world was pretty incredible and mm. I'm so sad that she's no longer with us and we just knew her in such a tangential way. Like there are people who are so much closer to her who mm. I really feel for now, like her boys and her mm. family and mm. the people she was working with directly to support. Yeah, I, I remember just reading on Facebook, the news that she'd passed away, and I was, I was just shocked actually to read it. Um, partially because it was coming from her Facebook account and speaking about her, and you know, in, in the third person and, and past tense. So it was, yeah, it was quite a shock for me, but obviously not as much for the people that were close to her. Yeah, and even like in the weeks leading up to that, she'd still, like, drop these little, like, bursts of positivity and, you know, she'd, like, love mm. something you post or, like, just say how awesome her rehab team had been and, mm. yeah. Yeah, so our, our hearts really go out to her family and, and friends and I think the whole community is, is hurting a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and especially the accessible yoga community and the body positivity, body positivity yoga community in Australia and around the world because she was such a driving force. Mm, absolutely. So. Yes, the Embodied Yoga Summit, right? That's what you're going That's to right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the Embodied Yoga Summit, we were invited to add a presentation for that and we were asked to submit a pre-recorded video, which we have done. We decided that we can't just do a pre-recorded Zoom session. So we... Uh, we We're like, how can we make this more complicated? Yeah, so we, we actually filmed and and did multiple shots and I edited together this video, which we're on the subject of exploring the accessible and therapeutic aspects of aerial yoga. Mm, and that's obviously something that Joe and I are both very passionate about. It's something that we teach at our students, something that Sarah Harry influenced us in, in the way that we approach things. So, yeah, we we really wanted to give a presentation that sort of showed this in the best possible way. Yeah, and we actually have been collaborated with Sarah on a accessible uh, aerial yoga for larger bodies mm. workshop. So I was really, like, honoured that she welcomed us into her community like that. Mm -hmm. um, I also reached out to aerial yoga teachers around the world to connect with people who were using the aerial yoga in accessible ways. And there are a couple of people, especially who are doing really amazing things. It's like Christian Mathewson in Tasmania, who uses her aerial hammock with a friend of hers who has cerebral palsy and he's in a wheelchair and, but in the hammock, he can really like release and let go. And she uses sound and gentle massage. And then Laura from, Arunai Yoga in Valencia in Spain, like that's a big studio and they've got group classes where people come in in wheelchairs or also people who have a bit more mobility and they use the hammock kind of like a chair yoga adjunct practice. So it's just really cool to see what people are doing with this apparatus, with this prop, and it is kind of a professional goal of ours to help to connect more of a global aerial yoga community with people who are working in this way. I think we see a lot of the like kind of intimidating, aspirational circus kind of aerial yoga moves on Instagram and that's cool and that can be fun. But looking at that, if you don't have that kind of body or even if you don't feel kind of confident trying new things, it can be a real turnoff and not very welcoming and not very inclusive, which is such a shame because it is such an adaptable prop and it can be so supportive and so relaxing and so therapeutic that we really want to represent that aspect of the practice. Mm. So you can tune into our video and learn more. Mm. And as well as that, Joe actually created a group on Facebook a little while ago, making aerial yoga more accessible. So if you want to have a look for that, you can search that on Facebook and, and join the group. Oh, maybe we'll put a link yeah. on our Facebook page. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and it's for teachers and students and really anyone who's interested in learning more about the accessible aspects of aerial yoga. So not just for teachers. Absolutely. All right. So, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to presenting our work at the Embodied Yoga Summit. So, yeah, definitely go and, go and have a look at that. It's a free event. So, 
Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. We'd also like to say thank you for our podcast sponsors, Yoga Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like to say thank you very much. They've been very supportive over the years. We've done a lot of work with Yoga Australia for a while there. We actually interviewed a whole lot of their past presidents, and that was quite interesting learning about Yoga Australia. I think that was quite an educational experience for me at least. Yeah, definitely. And it was a podcast goal from the beginning that we wanted to document in some way the history of yoga in Australia and the early years of the practice here and some of the pivotal figures who are still with us but, you know, won't be forever and Mm. it was really great to get this chance to speak to them directly and to learn from them. Mm, Absolutely. That was some of my more favourite episodes as well. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Before we move on, one other person I'd like to thank is Shay, and she is the wonderful editor of our podcast episode. So I was doing all the editing of every episode for a while. It took me all weekend. and There was a bit of grumpy run. There was a bit of grumpy run, that's that's for sure. So I was very happy to sort of find someone, thanks to Cora Giraud, that we could let do that work for us and Shay's done an incredible awesome job very grateful for her and her work she also transcribes some of our episodes and does a top-notch effort there and just so you know if you would like someone to edit your podcast or any audio work or again transcribe anything you need transcribe you can check her out at podcast doggo that's d-o-g-g-o dot wordpress.com or you can access her via email which is i better spell this out s-h-e-a-r-i-a-h-0-7 at gmail.com and just know that every email you send her she's just going to send you something really kind and encouraging back mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> she's so enthusiastic it's so nice yeah no thanks thanks so much Shay, if you're listening now <laughs> well yeah she won't need to edit this one because it's live I'm recording it on audio, so. <laughs> she might tidy it up a bit for yeah. us. Yeah, take out some of the ums and ahs. <laughs> Thanks, Shay. <laughs> <laughs> so leading into our questions from past guests and friends of the podcast, I'll start out with Kira's one. Kira said, what is the most fulfilling thing that came out of creating 100 episodes? Hmm, well, saying that I did 100 episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I think like just knowing that we can have an idea for a project that is in a different realm to what we've ever done before and being able to do it Mm. and by being able to do it, that was mainly run. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, it's both of us really. It's a team effort and we'll get, because I know there's another question coming up that's sort of related and I'll get to more of that later. But yeah, it's definitely a team effort and I guess as well as being able to say I did 100 episodes there's the connections you make. We've made a lot of friends and personal and professional connections through the podcast, which I think is, has been great. And there's there's people that we met through the podcast that we are now actually, you know, friends with. So, yeah, it's great. A flashback to the a favourite episode question mm-hmm. and someone who we've connected through with the podcast who's now a friend, Jivana Heyman, mm. like just having this platform which gives you a reason to reach out to people who you admire mm-hmm. or you're really interested in their work to mm-hmm. kind of sit down and have an hour of their undivided time and attention mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. We've learned so much. And Lucy Kanani. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yep, so yeah. And like Dr. Gail Parker and mm. Michelle Cassandra Johnson. Yep, yep. Yeah, they're amazing people. Yeah. And the Yoga is Dead girls. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You can, like, fangirl, <laughs> send an email, and then before you know it, like, you get to talk to them. Yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. Yep. Not everyone you send an email to. No. But people are surprised. Like, I've been really surprised at people who I thought just wouldn't have time or, you know, just have too many other things going on to be able to fit us in, have really made that time for mm, us. Absolutely. So, what? This is also from Kira. What advice would you have for people wanting to start a podcast? I think just realize that there is a bit of work involved. Yeah, my advice is if you think that this is going to be a tool to help you boost and promote your business, 
maybe, but not right away. Like absolutely the intellectual benefits and just the passion and, you know, the inspiration of being able to connect to amazing people, that happens right away. But you probably will end up using the business that you currently have to promote your podcast because those are the people who already know about you and follow you. So it's a very slow burn if you're feeling like it's going to be a tool for promotion and it might not work out that way. Mm -hmm. Also, I would say don't feel like you need to have like microphones like this and a setup like this to get started because we totally didn't. We just had like a little digital recorder Mm -hmm. and yeah, I think if you kind of set yourself this like, oh, I need a recording studio, I need microphones, I need all these things, then like just get started, get the ball rolling, and 100%. then you'll work out what you actually need. Mm, mm. Yes. And I think she also asked what were some surprising benefits that came from interviewing so many people. I feel like we've we've answered that one already. Uh, I have another surprising like, benefit. Yeah. I feel like I'm better at researching now. Mm, like mm. I think that I naturally I was kind of I'm kind of a wing it yoga teacher. <laughs> and I think now that I tend to put a bit more time and energy into researching new projects and people before I begin. Mm. And I also think I'm better at talking to new people in parties and dinner type situations. Mm. Like I kind of like get my interview brain on and usually find that I can find out some interesting things about people and kind of connect to them a bit quicker, like bypass the chatter, small talk a bit more and really get into the interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. And we have a question from Nicole, I believe. Oh, Bly? Mm-hmm. Shall I read it out? Sure. Yep. So as a social worker, I've worked with disenfranchised and marginalised members of the Melbourne community for many years. As a yoga teacher, I struggle with the limited exposure and understanding many in my yoga community have of these populations. I'm wondering if this is something you've both noticed yourselves mm-hmm. and if this is something you feel your new direction with the podcast will address. I hope so. It mm. is something that I've noticed and I've got to say I've noticed it even more in COVID times. I don't want to sound preachy or like I am this perfect person who has it all together because I know a lot of people have had a lot of fear and have responded in different ways, but when you're talking about ahimsa on your yoga mat when you're teaching a class and then you're complaining about wearing a mask to the supermarket on your Facebook, like there's a disconnect there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe this would have been a time to really put these practices in action in a real way and draw from them. And I haven't seen that everywhere in the yoga community, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I get that too. But I also feel like, you know, there's been this accessible yoga movement at the same time. So, yeah, it is an interesting divide there. Because, and I know what what you're saying, and it sort of reminds me another episode that I feel was quite a big one for me was the episode we recorded with Matthew Ramsky, and I was actually. I remember being hesitant uh, to put that out because when we recorded it, it was just, I think it was probably at peak anxiety moment for for me, definitely. And a lot of what Matthew, you know, he doesn't, I guess, he doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. No, no. So, you know, there was a lot of very serious and very concerning stuff being mentioned. And, but when we listened back, I think it did, you know, there was a lot of really interesting, really good stuff in that episode and sort of talking about what a lot of people in the yoga community have been, I guess, not practicing what they preached. Yeah, we talked a lot about conspiracy theories in that episode as well, and I think that's something that surprised me a bit about the yoga community. I felt like maybe people would have had a bit more of discernment and a bit Mm -hmm. more of that satya, like that truth, and kind of just seeing some of the, like, stuff that people were getting like sharing and getting sucked into and I was just like whoa I know you and I didn't realize that you thought like that and a lot of it came up when there were like race riots in America as well and I was really surprised by the response of the yoga community who I thought would be actively anti-racist but Mm -hmm. turns out not everyone no no and I do remember 
you know, I won't name anyone, that I guess, you know, all lives matter being described in a uh, kind of spiritual, spiritual quotation marks context. It was a bit, a bit shelling to me. Yeah, pretty shocking, mm. actually. Mm. And I think that there's maybe some genuine desire that doesn't translate into action mm-hmm. to do more, to work with the whole community, but that's not who we see often with the financial means to show up at a lot of studios or feel welcome in yoga studios and, like, people try with community classes and I think that a lot of people do really care about other people's lives and people whose lives are really different from their own, but I would like to see in the future that being more and more translated into direct action Mm. and, yeah, maybe not as much Dharma talks, like Mm. more, I mean, Dharma talks is maybe not the right word, but, you know, if you're going to post some philosophy on your social media, like maybe try and live it in your life as well. (laughs) Though, I mean, I don't want to, like, say that, I can do that all the time either no. because we're all human and we've yeah. all had like a really tough year. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we're we're not trying to lecture or, or No, no, no. Yeah. I guess it's also like saying that like this is something that I think about with myself all the time. Like mm-hmm. how could I be doing this more? Mm. Yeah, me too. So is this something you feel your new direction with the podcast will address? Well, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, and it is actually one of the reasons why we are branching out a bit beyond the yoga world because Mm -hmm. we do really want this chance to talk to people from backgrounds different to ours who are, like, really working in the community to affect positive change and have really awesome creative and sustainable projects going on. I guess I'll, like, talk about our upcoming guest who we Mm -hmm. haven't spoken to yet. Her name's Fipe Keanu and her chocolate company is called Living Coco and she's from Samoa and it's about sustaining the people who live in villages on her island and also I think nearby communities as well and working with them to kind of give them a sustainable income but also to share like the wonderful culture that she has grown up with and there's like issues of food sovereignty and I feel like she's bringing this message of conservation and kind of learning about other communities, but it's chocolate. So that's like a very tangible thing that people can buy to support and enjoy eating. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about the cacao ceremonies Mm -hmm. that, you know, she shared with her relatives. Mm -hmm. And she also is a dancer and uh, like she creates theatre works. So she kind of talks about that, her culture and, I think just sharing culture in general, Mm. like through her food, through her performance work. I Mm. think she creates festivals in Mm. remote communities. Wow, yeah. Was there something about the Dawn Raids we wanted to talk to her about as well? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. so for those of you who don't know, in I guess the 70s and 80s in New Zealand, in Auckland, the police held a series of Dawn Raids on the Pacific Island community that lived there and the sort of interesting thing about that is because after World War II Pacific Islanders were encouraged to to move to New Zealand to help with the labour shortage but then suddenly they it was decided that they weren't desirable because you know many reasons but so racism really yeah basically yes so it it led to all these I guess now legendary dawn dawn raids on on uh people in the early hours of the morning so Yeah, I want to talk about that. That should be interesting as well. So our next question comes from Beata Heyman. We spoke with her last. So her question is, how can we bring together people from diverse fields, not just yoga, to collaborate on social justice projects? As I feel collaboration could be a really powerful way to support and inspire people we work, practice and live with. I think a really good way to start that process is if there is a particular issue that's speaking to you, have a look at what's already going on out there. And if there is someone from that community who is already kind of 
whether it's a protest or a fundraiser or a program or, yeah, I'd first look to people from that community and see what you can do to help the stuff that's already going on. Even just with the example of like a protest or a direct action, usually if you go on the Facebook group and say you're attending, often like another little sub-event will pop up the weekend before, which is about getting ready and making signs. And that would be a really great way to kind of meet the people who are directly involved. If you're going to be working with lots of different people from different fields and you don't have a clear vision or you're not sure if what you're trying to do is actually wanted or needed from that community. Like it's a lot of energy and, you know, could be kind of really disappointing. So I think kind of having a little, like some research, and it could be like you already are part of the community or, you know, it's someone who you know personally and like say maybe it's someone from the LGBTQI plus community and, you're an ally, but you can support someone from that community to make their event happen or kind of assist in other ways. Yeah, I think if you kind of come at something with a like grand collaborative vision and then try and make it fit into an existing Mm -hmm. issue or community, it can be a bit Mm. So I think it's kind of good to start at that grassroots level Mm. and kind of get to know people Mm. and see what you can help with stuff that's already going on. Mm. And then you'll probably naturally connect with other people who have skills that could be useful Mm. or you'll be inspired, like you'll see, you know, like a place where your action could fulfil a genuine need Mm. and like build from there. Beautiful, yeah. And I guess just to add to that slightly, I mean, you could, I guess, look out there on social media, see what other people are doing there. I guess it's just about keeping your eyes and ears open open and seeing where you could fit in. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure personally how I would go about recruiting a bunch of people <laughs> for, for, for a grand project they have in mind, but yeah. I guess I've seen quite a lot of it, like since we've been doing the Thrive Northside mm-hmm. project, mm-hmm. I have seen a lot of people's other amazing projects. And mm-hmm. one thing that you can always do to support is you can always share. Mm-hmm. So if there's an event that something else, someone else is doing in a field that you're really passionate about, you can start by boosting and sharing their event. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are big organisations like the Asylum Seekers Resource Centre who always need help, whether it's financial or practical assistance. And there are a lot of, I mean, I'm here in Darabin and I've just been learning more and more about the amazing community organisations that you can volunteer with that are really close to home. Like one one that I found out about today, it's a community garden that you can volunteer at and the produce that you grow in their community garden or even in other people's local gardens goes into food boxes to help people in need in the local area. So it's this awesome, like you learn some gardening skills make everything a bit more sustainable for everyone and then people can like directly eat the the things that you helped grow or like that same organisation does like driving practice sessions for new migrants who don't have an Australian licence, who don't have money to pay a driver instructor to do all of their practice. So there's so much that you can do that's already happening that you can jump into and be a part of and then I think from there, probably you'll be like, oh, okay, there's this driving thing happening, but maybe there's this other thing that these people would really appreciate some help with. And I've got this friend who knows how to do this. So Hmm. yeah, I'd start from the ground roots, seeing what's needed rather than the like grand vision. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I come from an art school background, so (laughs) I've been to a lot of like friend meetings with grand visions that like never actually turn (laughs) into anything practical. (laughs) So that may shape my worldview on collaborative projects. Mm. Yeah, and I guess there's a lot to be said, but just pick one thing that might be simple and and just go over there, you'll probably find out that it's not that simple. (laughs) Yeah, or it's like, oh, I've got a couple of hours a week I can help with this thing. Mm, Absolutely. Sounds good. Nice one, Joe. Oh, thanks. (laughs) So uh, a nice one, Beata. Yeah, good question. Our next question is from Amy Bow, and she asks, what have you learned about each other throughout 100 episodes that you didn't know or notice before? I've learned that Ryan can just teach teach himself how to do anything from YouTube. 
YouTube's amazing. <laughs> it's a it's a great resource. Yes, I've learned many things from YouTube. <laughs> I th- I think I am actually a best sort of I guess kind of self taught. That's that's the way I learn best. Ra- rather than maybe reading a lot of material. Yeah, I guess what have I learned about Joe? I I actually learned through the podcast that Joe is an incredibly good interviewer. Oh, is, thanks. Yeah, no, I think I'll be. You know, I do tend to sit back during the conversations a little little bit because, as I said before, I'm a shy boy mainly. But I, I feel that Joe has a really good way of taking what someone's given to her as an answer for a previous question and kind of, you know, reinterpreting or not reinterpreting but sort of restating that in a way that I guess it makes it it sort of makes it more, not necessarily more clear, but I guess helps help cement what that person said and then sort of leads that on to another question and in a manner which is much more skillful than the way I answered this question. You're just <laughs> hearing the wheels in my brain turn <laughs> out loud. <laughs> but no, I, I do think you're you're really good and I think that that is a little, you know, we're, we're going to reduce the number of episodes we put out and I, I think that it is a little bit of a shame that you won't be able to do that that awesome thing you do quite as much. But oh, I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk to people at parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So this is from Divya. What would you say have been the biggest shifts you've seen and observed in the field of well-being since you started your podcast? And what has stayed constant? Hmm. Well, so that was from Divya Kohli. Some of the biggest shifts, I, I think definitely the movement towards accessible yoga. It wasn't so much a thing just when we started. And like I said, it was um it was Sarah Harry, and I think she was maybe episode 50 or something like that. I'm not sure. I think I... earlier than that. Right, yeah. right. But it was a little while before before we were aware of Sarah Harry. But I think since then, like, you know, and especially after meeting Jivana and so many other people in the accessible yoga community, it's, it's just seriously grown and grown and grown. So I think there have been many... I guess, controversies within the yoga community. And I would actually like to address those maybe a little bit towards the end of the episode. But for a while, it seemed like they're just happening, not quite constantly, but when we started, I think there was definitely this this attitude that yoga had to be, I guess, quite strong and physical and, you know, all this. So I think it's definitely moving in a good direction, at least amongst a sizable proportion of the community. And I think there is also, and this isn't just restricted to yoga, but I think in the world there is a bit of a movement towards, I guess, I guess towards, you know, inclusion and diversity. Yeah, and I think the Yoga is Dead podcast is probably a real driving force bringing mm-hmm. that to the fore and they've mm-hmm. done a lot of kind of other events like the top 20 yoga teachers of color of 2020 Mm. featuring Ron Bowen. I got in there before they ended it. (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing. It's actually sad that they're not continuing. I actually, yeah, when I heard the news, I sent them an email. It's very sad, but they're all moving on to other projects and I wish them the best. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that Amplifying South Asian voices is definitely something that I'm hearing more and more of in the yoga world, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. And Mm -hmm. I think Yoga is Dead has been a bit of a driving force behind that, as has the accessible yoga movement as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. The other massive change, which is a bit COVID-related but was going in that direction anyway, is how much more online the yoga world is these days. Like there's Mm -hmm. so many more yoga podcasts I didn't know anyone teaching Zoom classes when we started the podcast. I think Amy Wheeler, Mm -hmm. another amazing person who we met through the podcast, was doing her yoga therapy sessions via Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there were a few teachers doing it, but now everyone's done it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think the yoga world is, I mean, like I'm still teaching all of my Zoom classes, even though we can have people live in the studio because some of the people I teach are in mm-hmm. Wales or in Tasmania or even just live across the other side of town and it's just not practical for them to get to North Northcote for an hour-long class. So using technology in different ways is a change that I've really noticed and I mm-hmm. guess 
with that, more thinking about, okay, what is the real, what is the real yoga Mm -hmm. and how can we transmit that through a screen? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think that's something that teachers haven't really had to think about before. Like maybe Mm -hmm. they're making a YouTube video, but it wouldn't have been interactive and Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a big change. Mm. And what has stayed constant? (laughs) This is like a bit cheeky, but (laughs) one constant is a yoga teacher will always tell you that your own practice is super important and you should be doing more of it. And it's true. And it's a lesson that I've had to (laughs) relearn many times because things go off the rails when you don't do your own practice and you're like, huh, how come I need to learn this lesson again? Oh, I I feel like you're really awesome at practicing all the time you're you're often out in the studio while i'm in here tinkering on my computers and- i think lockdown was really good for getting me like mm. in the rhythm of doing it in a diligent way and actually just having a few aches and pains that like flare up if i don't so yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm just gonna check something real quick oh no oh have we got a message okay <laughs> Not relevant. <laughs> <laughs> but a message of love and support. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So we have another question from Alicia. Can I read it out? Mm-hmm. All right. Dear Ran and Joe, thanks for all the important work you do on and off the pod and on and off the map. We really... I think appreciate. Appreciate voices like yours celebrating inclusion and diversity. Oh, we just mentioned that. Having familiar, comforting voices during this time has been so important to me. As I write this, we are still in lockdown in the UK, starting to ease out. I'd like to ask how you make time for each other and your relationship when you work so closely running a studio and podcast together. Well, it's a bit of the reason why we're like letting go of the fortnightly schedule, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We did find that. The, the podcast can be a bit of a, a time strain and we decided that, yeah, it would be a good idea to not do quite as as often. <laughs> yeah, we want to be able to go away for the weekend and do things like that and you'd think that you could like batch work or, you know, organise things that's only every two weeks but it kind of means you're always doing something podcast related every weekend mm, and mm. Sunday is my day of no teaching and I try to make it my day of like no social media and, you know, no screen time. But if there's like a podcast coming out on the Monday, often that's like, oh, here I am on Facebook pointing about this thing that's coming out or I don't know. I think it just, yeah, I think we got to let go of the schedule so that we can still have the love and the passion for it. Yeah, and I I think hopefully, I'm hoping that when we do put out an episode, it'll maybe be a little bit more impactful. And I know it sort of goes against everything, you know, when you watch videos on how to get all the listeners and followers, you're supposed to do it more regularly. Supposed to be consistent. Yeah, but I think I'd rather, and, you know, I I don't want to criticise anyone in in the yoga community really, but we do sort of get the occasional request to do an interview and it'll just be for someone's new yoga program. And, you know, I, I wish them all the luck and I know that promotion is hard, but it's it's not really what inspires us. Yeah, like it actually starts to feel really transactional, like we're mm. just someone's advertising strategy. Yeah. And I've got to say, <laughs> speaking some real truth here, publishing companies are the worst. Like we've spoken to some amazing authors that we've approached personally and like it's been a real connection and it's been an honour to learn from them. But we get hit up by publish com- publishing companies quite regularly and they're pretty pushy. Like they want to know your numbers and everything and they just want you to promote this book that's coming out and they never share the episode themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, that's something we'd like to get away from and, you know, like we said, speak with people who are really trying to make an impact maybe at a more grassroots level. So, yeah, and I guess... Also, how do you make time for each other and your relationship when you work? And we we both have our own little hobbies. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. And I have the run room, and Joe has you know the craft room where she can go into the studio when she she wants to work out. I mean, we can both go into the studio when we want to work out. But you know, we we both. I guess it's just as much about making time for ourselves and and just knowing when we're together that 
you know, we can be more effectively together. Yeah, actually something we started doing lots more in lockdown was like going for walks together, mm, mm, having yeah. a bit of a walk and talk. That's also good because you're not like looking at your phone at the same time. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's been good. I've been enjoying the walks. The weather's getting a bit cold now, but I want to go for some more bike rides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's a fun thing that we do together. Like we started doing some Sunday brunch adventures mm. where we like check out a new local place to go and have brunch on a Sunday and have a bike ride and then feel virtuous for the rest of the day because we've like supported local business <laughs> and we've exercised. <laughs> Aren't we amazing? Yeah, I'm living the dream. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I hope that answered your question, Alicia, and thanks again. And I hope you're doing okay over in the UK. I know that, you know, you pretty much went to India and then had to leave India straight away and then headed to England pretty much into a lockdown, right? Yeah, and, like, I saw it popped up on Facebook, I think, just earlier in the week that it was like a one-year anniversary from our episode um, Speaking With You, Alicia, which was another really great episode. Mm. So I was like, whoa, so much has happened in that year. Mm. Yeah. So do you feel like we've answered the why the change question? I think I've got a little bit more to say about that. I guess this is something that I've kind of spoken to a bit with guests as well where, like, you're living your yoga and you're teaching yoga and you're reading yoga books. And I don't listen to any yoga podcasts on a regular basis anymore. Like only if a guest really shines out. And I used to like, does that was just my go-to like, you know, download them all each week. And now I listen to all these other podcasts from different fields and I don't want to make a podcast that wouldn't be on my own download list. Mm. Like I'd rather speak to amazing people who are doing inspiring things beyond the yoga community because that's kind of the stuff that I'm into listening to myself mm. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that makes sense to me. And, yeah, I absolutely 100% agree. And could I segue just a little bit about you mentioned yoga podcasts. I did want to talk about the the Jay Brown controversy. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone listening out there knows, but he did an episode that was where the guest was quite anti-trans. Yeah, it was about gender essentialism. So Mm. pretty much the cisgendered. I guess it's not relevant that she's white. I guess someone who's not from that community, and that's not her lived experience, and she's kind of negating someone who has lived that life and has gone through that. And I don't really see how someone else's gender identity is up to her to decide. I don't see what it has to do with her. Like if she doesn't understand, then that's one thing. Maybe like learn from some people if you're interested or just like back off and let people live their lives without you telling them that they're doing it wrong. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know, that whole kerfuffle, I guess – Jay Brown, he released the episode, he sort of asked people for their feedback, definitely got a lot of feedback. But I also feel that just that whole controversy meant that a whole lot of people went and listened to the episode and then he'll probably do another episode to say, oh, I'm wrong. I, yeah, because this is going to happen with a few issues in the past. Yeah. And just quietly we took down our interview with Jay Brown because he was a real inspiration to us when we spoke to him and we, it was a very complimentary interview and I don't necessarily feel that way 100% now. I'd Mm. ask different questions and I feel like if we're speaking to someone on the podcast, if we're not questioning their views, the message is that we agree. Mm. And it's a tricky one because I'm not like I don't want to interrupt people in their flow and say, I think you're wrong about the way you see the world. Mm. But it's kind of tacit. Is that how you say that? Tacit? Tacit approval. Yeah, Mm. if we're sharing and amplifying this person's voice, then it's another reason why we kind of want to speak to some people from different backgrounds who we really want to amplify their voices and their point of view and learn from them rather than people who are maybe already at the top of the power hierarchy in the yoga world. Mm, Absolutely. And I guess one more thing I wanted to talk about is what's, happened in the IRS community. So I guess I might not get this all 100% because this is a little bit off the cuff, but there was some controversy with Richard Miller, I guess, 
inappropriately asking. Yeah, a woman he shared his office with and worked with. Yeah, where there was a, a bit of a power dynamic there, asking her on multiple occasions whether she'd be interested in pursuing a relationship with him. He did get, you know, psychological or counselling and, and training in that area, but obviously it was a bit of a bad situation. And the, just hearing about that on on top of everything that else that has happened in the yoga world, it sort of led me to feeling a little bit of a little bit depressed about the yoga. Yeah, and in that situation in particular, it almost like the culture of secrecy Mm. and of protection of the man in that situation, not the person who was victimised. And we just see this play out in so many yoga lineages and much worse examples of abuse Mm -hmm. as well that it's just like, oh, my goodness, like why is this dynamic continuing to play out again and again when Mm. it's so against the philosophy of yoga? Mm -hmm. And I guess it's another reason why I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want to speak to figurehead people. Like I respect teachers and I respect the the wisdom that they share, but like if this power dynamic's playing out again and again, I don't want to build this cult of celebrity around people because it's not just – the person themselves it's all the people protecting them and mm-hmm. yeah mm. i'd rather speak to indigenous people working in sustainable ways to like celebrate their local communities absolutely absolutely and you know i do want to add that he did obviously apologize unreservedly and irs has taken him out of a, a few things and i guess one thing that i was you know thinking about a bit is like why it seems to me that, you know, he did develop this wonderful modality or synthesize out of a number of ingredients, one of which being yoga and yoga nidra. But I do wonder if, if such an organization, which has some amazing teachers and trainers, really needs a figurehead. Yeah, I think like dismantling hierarchical power structures is like the future. I hope it's the future. Revolution, no revolutionary. <laughs> well, I feel like that's where I want to put my energy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds great. So, yeah, I hope that made sense to people listening out there. That's just a few things that have been going on with us and how we're thinking and, yeah. We'll uh, journey into the minds of Joe and Ryan <laughs> coming at you from the Ryan room. Uh, dismantling power structures from the inside. <laughs> One podcast at a time. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I think we've reached the end of our list. And- yeah. Thanks so much for everyone who joined us and thank you for everyone who sent in questions and sent in lovely messages of support and encouragement for our three years and 100 episodes where... Mm-hmm excited about the future mm-hmm. yep so there will be more just not as many yeah yeah we've got to like make use of all this tech we bought i know <laughs> all right thanks guys what do you say oh aroha nui big big love <laughs> <laughs>